Welcome back to the Janice Dean Podcast. I want to thank all of you for downloading the program and saying such wonderful things. This really is one of the highlights of my career, being able to sit down with friends I've known for a long time and new friends I've met along the way that are spreading sunshine everywhere they go. In the weeks to come, I promise to bring more of your favorite Fox friends to the podcast, like my next guests. Steve Ducey has been with Fox since the very beginning on our signature morning show, Fox and Friends. He's had an incredible career in broadcasting, and he's a New York Times bestselling author of multiple books, including his latest cookbook called The Simply Happy Cookbook. And the story behind how those books came to be is really heartwarming. And then following Steve, I have the one and only Peter Ducey, Steve's son, who came to New York for his dad's book release. I wanted to find out about what it's like being a White House correspondent and growing up in the incredible Ducey family. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's talk to Steve. Steve Ducey, you made the Dean's List. Thank you very much. This is a great honor. Thank you, JD. Have you ever made the Dean's List before? You know what? I actually did in college. You did? And But this the, is better. The reason I... I can tell you about that is because I think I was a junior and I got my grades mailed to me and I'm looking at the grades and at the top, it's like, this doesn't read the same as it. Wait a minute. I'm on the Dean's list. Oh my goodness. And it's like, I wonder what that means. Is there a cash award? (laughs) There was not. Okay. I think at some point there'll be a sticker I can give you. Oh, a sticker. Yeah. We're working on that. You know, my kids, uh, that's one of the, as as a mother of two, you know, that one of the great ways that you can get kids to do things is through bribery. Yeah. Whether it's food or I remember when um, my daughters, Mary and uh, Sally, were growing up, she was able to get them to do pretty much everything with the reward of those Lisa Frank stickers. Remember those? No. what Are they the scratch and sniff ones? No, no, no. These are stickers, uh, little unicorns and stuff like that. They would put them on their uh, notebooks. Are they puffy stickers? No, they were just flat stickers, <laughs> just like stickers. I mean, these would have been 15 years ago, Janice. So no, listen, I analog. love the stickers. I had a sticker collection, like an actual, you know, it was like a photo book. Yeah. And then you used to get the the whole page of stickers and then you used to trade them like trading cards. That was a whole thing for me in the 80s. Okay, look at this. I've just Googled <laughs> on Amazon Lisa Frank stickers. Okay, let me see. Oh, those are really pretty. Those are pretty. They're like uh, very colorful. Yep. I can get this delivered by September 20th if you want it. <laughs> what has happened? Yeah, no kidding. It used to be like same-day service with Amazon. Uh, there's a pandemic and people are staying at home. Uh, it's hard to get people to do stuff. How did you guys do in the pandemic? Like, listen, the one thing I appreciated about that was having time with my kids. Right. You know, like every day I would do the weather from a spare bedroom and my children would come up when they w- woke up. And I'd be like, okay, guys, Shh, be quiet. Mom has to go on the air. (laughs) I mean, it was like while I was going through it, it was a pandemic. But when I look back, I'm like, wow, that was awesome that I was able to do that. No kidding. Well, see, in the beginning, because my wife, Kathy's got some health challenges from her eye cancer. Of course. And so in the beginning, remember um, the, you know, the the warnings from everybody were dire. And it's like uh, if you've have cancer and stuff like that, 
her doctor told her that if you if you got COVID in the beginning, he said it would not be good for you. Okay. He said you would die. Oh man! And so we were living in New Jersey, uh, and New Jersey and New York were the epicenters. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, you know what, uh, you're going to go to Florida. So we shipped her off to Florida. Okay. In the very beginning, it was shortly after the Super Bowl when we were at Super Bowl. Came I back and then shipped her to Florida. And uh, then my daughter Sally, who uh, was at our house at that point, she hadn't gotten married yet. Uh, she went and went with Kathy so that she could, you know, get the food and and uh, just make life spin along. So she was there. Sally's fiance, Allie, was at his apartment in New York, and he was telling me about how um, during the day when he would go out, uh, the people in the elevator would be essentially dressed in moon suits, yeah, hazmat suits. Uh, because he was located one block from a big metropolitan hospital, and they were on the front lines of the COVID um, problem, where everybody was, you know, at that point, people were terrible. dying. It yep. was terrible. And so I said, Allie, you should not be there. So I said, uh, pack a bag. I'll come get you. Mm-hmm. And I drove in, and uh, I knew I'd known him for seven years because they had dated for seven years. But I didn't really know him. Like I was about to, uh-huh. because during the pandemic, Allie moved in with us, actually with me, and lived there for 139 days. <laughs> you remember the actual days? Oh, yeah, because um, we were going to come out with our second cookbook in uh, the fall of that year, and I made all the recipes for him. And he actually had great suggestions on how to make them better. Look at that. So, But here's the problem, Janice. When you make something, you just want you want the person to say, that is the best thing I've ever had. <laughs> Allie, I needed a yes man. And Allie is a, uh, he's an analyst for a big Wall Street firm. So rather than be a yes man where it's like, yes, this is fantastic, Mr. Ducey. You are going to be the greatest father-in-law in the history of father-in-laws. Instead of that, it's like, you know, did you think about maybe a little more salt in this thing? <laughs> But he made a better product. I did, It didn't matter because I was angry at him. And it'd be like, oh, why couldn't she marry that other kid, that quarterback? Uh, but instead, you know, as was I... Was it just you and him? Just me and him in a five-bedroom house out in suburban New Jersey for 139 days. Oh, my goodness. I wanted a yes man. He's being realistic. But ultimately, when I would be doing the dishes and I'd be a little angry, and I'd be like... You know, he didn't even do the dishes. No, I I would insist on because I needed to know exactly where they were, um, and so I I think about what he said, and then I think you know what he's probably right. He did, you know, I would say about two weeks in, three weeks in, he did start doing the dishes. But here's the problem, and I don't know if this is the way it is at your house. He didn't load the dishwasher right. Mm, Yes, I know that. And so it would be like he would load and I would thank him and then he would go in and and watch TV. And you rearrange. I would, but he could hear me (laughs) rearranging. And so... You're like the odd couple. uh, In so many ways. And so he would, when the dishes would be done two hours and 38 minutes later, (laughs) that's the runtime, he would go in, he'd say, I'll unload. And he memorized how I liked it loaded. Oh, wow. And so within a week or two, 
I had him trained. That's amazing. And he was doing the dishes and they were in the right place and they were always clean. That is fantastic. And now does Sally say he's like an expert? at doing uh, the dishwasher duties? I hope so, because they've been married a little more than a year. <laughs> so they better be. In fact, they just bought a new dishwasher uh, for their house in Dallas about two weeks ago. That is fabulous. Look yeah. at what you did I for know. him. You've helped his marriage already. And I told him, make sure, and this is a little tidbit for all of your listeners right now here on the Janice Dean podcast, <laughs> is, you know, the thing about a dishwasher, your dishes are only going to wind up as clean <laughs> Yeah. As the filter. Oh. So when was the last time, Janice, you cleaned your dishwasher filter? My husband is the one that does the dishwasher okay. duties. All right. Because that's key. Okay. Uh, we do it at least once a month. Okay. And the dishes are sparkling. You can eat off them. Well, there you go. It's Is it like the filter for the air conditioner? Because I don't do that either. Well, you breathe that. <laughs> Um, you know, things that go on inside the magical dishwasher machine, we don't understand the process. Right. We just know that when they're dirty, yeah. it's like, why are they dirty? And then you run them again. But if the filter is all greasy and gloppy, yeah. it's the filter. Just right. clean the filter. Clean it out. When did you guys reunite? When did you see your wife? Actually, it was for Sally's wedding. Okay. So... Um, I didn't see Kathy for about five months. Wow. I mean, we FaceTimed of every course. time, like five times a day. But uh, I didn't go down to Florida until July. <sighs> Six months. Holy cow. Did you? And so she was she was safe and she didn't she was she was well for that time. She was. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, that was great. Uh, and Sally was able to get her dress out of a New York design studio that was shuttered for like four months and uh then she made a uh a trip back up to new york got the dress took alley they left that and was quite a wedding too i mean i remember i was invited to go to that wedding we were, were. so excited to do that we got our tickets and everything and because of covid we had to cancel <sighs> i know but it turned out beautifully it did it was a family uh, affair well ultimately uh more family affair than we thought because uh they had uh secured it went from 200 people yeah to 10. Right. And uh, they had found, uh, they'd spoken to a priest. The priest was on board, going to do it, a traditional ceremony. And then the priest died. Oh, my god. The priest died. And so it's like the state of Florida would only allow 10 people in the room at that point. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, we already have 10 people with our family. Yeah. And then Sally said, isn't Peter an ordained minister? Oh, my goodness. And it's like, oh, that's right, because when um, <laughs> Peter's producer, when they were out on the road, Pat Ward got married to his wife, and Peter was on their first date. And so they asked Peter if he would perform the service. Oh, and my he goodness. Did. And so— What uh, do you have to do to get that? I think you send 20 bucks to the internet. <laughs> Stop it. You, you put in your real name and uh, give them an address, and they send you back— the Church of the International Internet or something like that. So anyway, it was still valid. And uh, Peter performed his sister's wedding. That is incredible. Yeah. And then did they do it again or is it still official? It... That was it. Wow. It's all it took. And so after um, they performed the service, then on Monday, I went down to the county clerk. Okay. And I presented the paperwork okay. that they had signed. Yep. And they go, yep, that's legal. All good. 
So I guess they're married. That is pretty awesome. Right? So you have someone that can marry someone in your family. I mean, right. does I that mean, make sense? Think about this. If he needed to, when he's at the White House, if somebody just needs an, a, a quickie wedding, uh, they could go, hey, Peter, listen, put down the, the notebook of questions. Uh, can you perform a, a service over here? And Peter, being a good man, would yeah. probably say, sure, absolutely. He could make D.C. the new Las Vegas. He could uh, be Elvis. Oh, man. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. See, when we, when Kathy and I were getting married uh, 37 years ago, we talked about going to Las Vegas. You did. And doing the Elvis thing. Uh-huh. And we thought that was really good. But our parents were like, hey, well, wait a minute, Elvis? What, at that chapel? Are you nuts? People who get married, they're only married for about a minute because they're drunk. That's not true. A lot of people are married for over two weeks. Right. So... So we ultimately uh, had a more traditional service. Okay. Yeah, Sean and I got married at City Hall, and then 10 years later, we did do the church thing. That was Sean's idea. Uh, when Kathy and I got married, we had 18 people, oh. which... Uh, was it had, on a beach? Uh, it was not. It was in Kansas City. Okay. Um, so for Sally's wedding that Peter performed, we had 10 guests. Yeah. Uh, Peter's wedding, we had, also during the pandemic... We had 18 guests. And for Mary, her wedding, all three weddings in one pandemic year, Mary's wedding was 25. Oh, my 25 people. So what is that? 25, 35, 45. It's less than 100. Yeah, absolutely. Like 60 people. And all three in one year during a pandemic. Right, exactly. And so that was one of the reasons why we came up with all these simple recipes because it's like the kids are calling, hey, I, I need to make... A dish for dinner. You have any ideas? And Kathy had a million ideas. I remember at one point, um, Sally Sally didn't realize that cooking involves like a recipe and a process and stuff like that. And uh, she told her boyfriend when she w- had an apartment in uh, college, she said, okay, why don't you come over and bring your friend Andrew and I will make uh, enchiladas. And so they came over and um, – Sally had taken some tortillas and put some sauce on it, and Andrew looked at it and he goes, so we're having pizza? <laughs> Sally didn't realize that there, there's more to right. making something delicious and look like food than just putting stuff on stuff. And She went to the same cooking school as I did. Man, oh man. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Uh, and now she's a good cook. Oh, that's good. So there is hope. Absolutely. You know, and my other daughter, Mary... Most uh, aside from the recipes that uh, Kathy's uh, Kathy Mary's mom has given her, she mainly just looks at TikTok and oh will get recipes on TikTok and be like, "Oh, that looks good. I'm, I'm going to try to make that." You could do your. You should do your cookbook on TikTok or some of the recipes. Maybe. Yeah. Not be. too late. So this is the third cookbook. It is. Uh, first one was Happy Cookbook. Yep. Then when we were on the book tour, people said, love the recipes, but you know what? I don't have a lot of time. So the yeah. second cookbook was Happy in a Hurry. <laughs> and when we were talking to people after that one, it's like, okay, they're fast. Can you make them simpler? 
And so we made them simpler. And wow, so that's an is, evolution. Right, exactly. Simply Happy is the new one. It's all part of the Happy Cookbook series. But you had books before that, like The Happy Couple, right? What was that? Mr. Mr. Happy? Mr. and Mrs. Happy Handbook. Uh, and then I wrote a fatherhood book. But the the idea for the first book was we had taken the kids on vacation to Hawaii. Okay. We were at Maui and you know, we got our kids we're at a nice hotel. I want to say it was the Fairmont Kilani. That's exactly where it was. Okay. And so we were like the only family at the pool. Everybody else were everybody else was a newlywed. Okay. And Kathy at one point said to me over <laughs> probably my ties there in our lounge chairs, she said, you know, these people, they have no idea what they're in for. You know, as our kids are trying to climb up a palm tree or something like that, a coconut tree. And so uh, it's like, hey, that's a, you know, that's actually a good idea. Right. A handbook on how to be married. And so we wrote one with some actual information, but mainly it was a joke book okay. about being married. Like, give me another example. Do you remember? Uh, just, uh, we, we just told different stories from our personal history. Like, um, for instance, and this is one of, the, this was our first date. Okay. I met her when I was working down in Washington and, um, I wore, you know, I would see her in the cafeteria and I'd say, What was she doing? She worked in the sports department. Okay. And And what were you doing? I worked in the news department at the NBC station. And, um, I, I think she started there in like September and, uh, for about three months, I would see her there in the, in the cafeteria line and I would talk to her. Okay. And I'm sure she just thought I was annoying. (laughs) And, uh. (laughs) <laughs> then I wore her down, I think, because on New Year's Eve of 2015, no, rather, <laughs> that, that, that sounds completely wrong, of, of 1985, okay. um, she called me. Wow. And she said, hey, you know, I, I've been living in New York. I don't know anybody in Washington. You want to go out tonight? New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. I said, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. And you didn't have any plans? <clears throat> I, no, of course not. Um, and so I said, sure, that'd be great. Uh, and she said, okay, pick me up after work. Okay. Uh, and she was working on the late local news, mm-hmm. so she would be off at 1130. Long story short, shortly after we made the date, uh, I got a call from the desk. They needed me to go to down to... Um, City Hall, essentially, the district building, uh, where they were having the uh, New Year's Eve celebration. Okay. And I needed to cover it for the Johnny Carson show. So What? I would be on- They told you the day of? They told me like four hours before. Oh my, hey, have you ever done the J- Johnny Carson show? No. <gasps> so anyway, I, um, I I said, okay, this is great. I, and I had the same reaction as you. Johnny oh Carson, the king, the king of television. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to- and I said, can you just please call Kathy Garrity and tell her that I uh, am going to be busy till uh, about one o'clock? <laughs> okay. And uh, the guy on the desk said, yep, absolutely. Uh, immediately forgot it. Uh, and so it's 1130 and she's standing in front of the building. And it's oh, like, where goodness. is he? Where is he? Oh. And um, she went home. Yeah. And she turned on the television. <gasps> 
And there I was. Oh, my goodness. And she stood up by Johnny Carson. Exactly. And so she said, you know, I guess you got a pretty good excuse. And I called the next day and I said, hey, uh, okay, so let's talk about rescheduling. And she said, you stood me up. And I said, didn't that guy call you? And it's like, what guy? No, nobody called. And so uh, that that was how we got started. She said, okay, I tell you what. Okay, back up for a second. Yeah. How was the Johnny Carson experience? Well, okay, so I uh, here's the thing. I was on a live truck. Okay. Uh, in the middle of about thirty thousand drunk people. Yeah. In Washington D.C. <laughs> and uh, you know those live trucks in the '80s? They all had that tall uh, tower thing <laughs> yeah. that would send the signal back. Yeah. So anyway, I'm standing next to the tower, uh, and they go to me, and I'm describing the, what's going on. And people were so drunk, they started to rock the truck. <gasps> So the truck was going back and forth, and I look like I'm on the deck of the Titanic. <laughs> and so I'm I'm just trying to pretend like this is normal. And then somebody throws a beer bottle, oh, and no. it hits the metal mast, the, the antenna behind right. me, and shatters. <laughs> and suddenly there is this... There's this rain of glass and beer, and it's fallen down on me, and it's like, oh, man, this is... But that's probably exactly what they wanted. Well, they got it. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and so that was my experience. I wound up... Uh, at least I didn't have to go to the emergency room. You were okay. I, I got most of the glass out of my hair. <laughs> so um, okay. at the end of uh, the next day, we, she said, all right, I bought a bottle of champagne yes. to celebrate. New Year's Eve, you want to come over for dinner? I said, yeah, of course. And she said, okay, how about tomorrow? And I said, okay, I'll be there. So I go to her house. She has decided she's going to make lasagna. Okay. She never made lasagna, <laughs> but she had a cookbook okay. from Betty Crocker okay. or something like that. And so she read how to do it yeah. and she bought double the amount of everything just in case. Okay. Because you, know, you want to be careful. Yeah. Or maybe to double up. So she'd only been in the apartment for about two or three months. And so for the first time ever, she turns on the <laughs> oven uh, to bake it and stuff like that. And then she's, as she's starting, then she goes in the other room and prepares, you know, does her hair or something like that. And she's in the bathroom and she realizes something smells like it's on fire. And so she goes in the kitchen and the kitchen pretty much is, uh, it, it looks flames. like London. <laughs> right. It's just foggy. And uh, something is on fire. And she opens the, she opens the uh, oven door and there is just a fireball. And she calls wisely rather than call the fire department. Your husband could have shown up. Uh, but instead... She calls the super and it's like, hey, my oven's on fire. The guy goes, okay, I'll be right over. Came over within five minutes. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the smoke detector is going off. It sounds like DEFCON 5. And uh, she was told, hey, it was a brand new oven. You're supposed to take the owner's manual and all that styrofoam out. And it's like, how would I know? I was preheating the oven. I wouldn't have known. Nobody would have. So he took it all out. Uh, luckily, she had backup food. Uh, <laughs> like takeout from? No, no, no. Back, she got more ingredients. Oh, she redid it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she redid the entire batch, and it was delicious. Oh, wow. So at the end of, and it was a lasagna. 
And so in that first cookbook, we made what we call engagement lasagna. Second cookbook, we did a lasagna soup. This new one, we do a lasagna grilled cheese, oh which my, is you'll oh have. Oh my goodness, that sounds amazing! You're gonna taste it. Lasagna. On can you give me like a little teaser? Well, here's the thing. Uh, so you love grilled cheese because of the <sighs> butterized uh, crispy yes, bread. Yes. And and the cheesiness is good, but because it's lasagna, uh -huh. uh, it's not just like mozzarella. It's mozzarella uh, shredded. It's Parmesan and it's ricotta and it's All turned together. into a cheese paste and then you slap them together with some Italian sausage and marinara together. It's really fast to make. But Janice, it is the best sandwich I've ever had. Holy moly, I can't wait. A anyway, at the end of our first date, uh, I we drank that bottle and we stayed up all night and uh, I said to her, it was the sun's coming up and she had to go to work. Uh I said, you know, you probably don't want to hear this, but I said, you and I, one day we're going to be married. Oh, my goodness. And she said, this is the first date. And I said, yeah, but someday, I'm just telling you, someday we're going to be married. And she said, that's nice. Get out. <laughs> and so I did. And uh, 40 days later, we were engaged. Okay. And, and like 100 days later, we were married. Wow. And, and how many years? 37 years ago. That is fabulous. So I, you really did know. You knew. How did you know? Like, was there a moment? Was it just like, I'm comfortable with this person? A little of all that stuff. And, yeah. and the thing about, uh, you know, we stayed up and talked all night was she told me about her family. I told her about my family and... You know, when you hear stuff like that, you you can hear how they were raised and their mm. values and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And all, all of that was true. And it was like, this is the person I've been looking for. Oh. Who knew? she? I found her in the cafeteria. That And oh my gosh, that's where it began with food in the cafeteria. Exactly. Do you have like a cafeteria recipe in one of your books? I don't, but uh, she... I remember she would always get the same thing every day. She would get uh, a cheeseburger with French fries. And uh, one day when <clears throat> when she was um, getting, let's see, I think this was in the first uh, book, uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Happy Handbook, too, where my, my entree to her, because I was behind her, <clears throat> as she's putting the ketchup on the, on the fries, I said, so... You order the fries with plasma? And, and I think she thought it was gross, and it is. Yeah. But here we are, close to Look 40 years later, and she's still talking about my dumb joke. That terrible joke. About, yeah. I like the fact that she, so she puts the ketchup right on the fries instead Directly. of dipping. Yeah. That doesn't have, I don't, I, I love that. I love that about her, actually. <clears throat> well, you know, some people will do that, but then they'll have to eat the fries with a fork. See, I grew up uh, in Kansas where, after, uh, uh, let me put it this way, once I was in college, I would stay up very late at night sometimes with alcoholic beverages. And then about two or three o'clock in the morning, you would go to a diner to get a chicken fried steak, yes. which was a good alcohol absorbent. Uh, and then you would have fries on the side, but then you would ask for the fries to be wet, which meant put gravy on the fries. Oh, yes. So you would have to eat them with a fork. Okay, yeah. Have you ever tried poutine? No. Do you know what that is? No idea. Okay, next cookbook, I I will introduce you to poutine. It is a Canadian tradition uh, that is that I probably started in Quebec, French Canada, okay. where it's French fries.
brown gravy, and then cheese curds melted on top. It is... Oh, that sounds oh, good. Oh, it's so I've, good. I have had that. You know what? We had that when we were in Quebec at yep. Montremblant. Yep. That is called poutine. It is a ritual in Canada, and we really should introduce it to the world because it shouldn't be a secret. Uh, I think that... Let's call it something else. Uh, <laughs> Janice Dean's... Janice... Oh my gosh, I think I love this already. Janice Dean's what? Uh, gravy with cheese curds. But that doesn't sound very appetizing. No, it's, you need a different name. But would they, I mean, could they come after me? Could Canada come after me for that recipe? Wouldn't they already be coming after you for other purposes? <laughs> come on. <laughs> Library finds. Well, this is good because now we've solidified the fact that there will be a fourth cookbook and we just have to, you know, reestablish the poutine and put it in my name somehow. Uh, somehow. How about the Dean's that? List fries? Hmm. I like that. That's better. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, we'll come What's up with What's the main it. component again? Well, it's it's basically a heart attack in a dish. Okay. We could call it that. Um, sure. It's, it's French fries. A lot. It has to be particular gravy, like brown beef gravy, I believe. I don't think you can have sort of like that chicken gravy. It doesn't taste the same. How about Janice Dean's Frite Treat? Frite Treat. You know French. That's awesome. Les Frites. Oh, that's very good. May we? I like this already. Thank okay, you. so oh, let's talk about the latest cookbook. Okay, and I know what time. I mean, we we could go on forever. Let's go on for another twenty minutes. Okay, that's good. I love it. Um, so this is the third. Now you have to tell me the story about why you did the cookbook series because it's. A little bit, you know, it's heartfelt, obviously. It has to do with Kathy uh, having her illness and realizing that she wanted to have something written down in case something happens. That's right. Uh, it was about eight years ago, and we were going to go down to Florida, and um, we wanted some new sunglasses because it's like we had two-year-old sunglasses, three-year-old yeah. sunglasses. We got to look cool. So we went to our eye guy, and um, the eye guy said, okay, Steve, here's your prescription. It's the same as last time. And Kathy, here's... Wait a minute. Look that way. And he said, you know, the prescription is about the same, but can you come back in like three months? And she said, sure, why? And he said, you know, I see just... I see a little freckle back there. Okay. He said, a zillion to one that it's anything, but... Just go back. I just want to make sure. So we went back three months later, and he looks in her eye, and he goes, you know, can you go see my friend uh, across town? And it's like, well, I don't know. Uh, there's a blizzard outside. And he goes, uh, I, I would like my friend to look. And okay. we said, okay, when should we go? And he said, can you go right now? Oh, wow. I'll call. And so we drove across town. It took about a half an hour to go two miles. Because uh, it was blizzarding, and we got there, and the guy goes, okay, um, can you go to Philadelphia? Oh, my goodness. And we said, sure. When? And he goes, right now. Oh, my goodness. And it was 5 o'clock during a blizzard, uh, and we said, how about first thing tomorrow? And so he called, and he made an arrangement. Uh, Kathy went to the Will's Eye Hospital in Philadelphia, and they told her that she had a very rare form of eye cancer. And I didn't ever know you could have eye cancer, but she did. 
And, um, it, you know, our hearts just all stopped. And so they had a treatment where they can radiate the eye. But to do that, and this is kind of barbaric, they take a, a little piece of radiation in a metal sleeve about the size of a dime, and then they sew it into your eye. Oh, my goodness. And it uh, kills the cancer over five days. But during those five days, they sew your eye shut oh. so that it doesn't, you know, for a variety of reasons. So there we are at the Hilton Gardens Inn just because they don't want you to stay in the hospital uh, in, in downtown Philly. And during one of those uh, sleepless nights, and I had to be in a different bed because she was radioactive. So oh. you got to be, we all had to be at least five feet away from her. And the kids were in the other room. And uh, one night she was just thinking, you know, what if this doesn't work? Mm -hmm. So she decided that she was going to start writing down her recipes that oh. she always made for the kids so they would always have the happy foods that they grew up with oh. and um, the treatment worked uh, and thank God and uh, she's been writing down those recipes she, we spent a year and a half writing them down and that was our first cookbook and then we realized that everybody's got a happy food that reminds them of their childhood mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we've we've now written 300 happy recipes. Wow. And it all started with a disaster. Oh, out of something that could have been tragic comes something so good. And there is something about food that brings us back. Like, I think about Christmas and going back home and my mom would have, well, Nanaimo squares, something that I think I, yes, I did with mom on Fox and Friends a couple of years ago, very Canadian, uh, you know, this layer of chocolate and then this layer of buttercream icing and then another mm. layer of chocolate. It's very good. <clears throat> and then, but there are things that you remember from your childhood, your mom making, and it does, it is very comforting. Yeah. It's, it's psychological, it's physical, right. like physical, it's psychological, it's all of that. It has been proven that uh, something about, it, you can see it yeah. or if you smell it, or even if you think about it, it it has been proven that it generates a memory yeah. uh, and a good feeling. And it's like, you know, growing up, my mom would always make for my birthday, she would make a German chocolate cake, yeah. which I always loved. And she would make that pot roast that moms made in the 60s and 70s, which was you brown a, a chuck roast. And then you put in a can of cream of mushroom soup and mm -hmm. some of that dried Lipton onion soup and an onion and you cook it all day on the stove. And, I, you know, I can still – I close my eyes. I can smell it right this second. Uh, I can smell it from 50 years ago. Uh, and when Kathy makes it on my birthday, she makes it exactly the same way and it smells exactly the same. And it takes me from, you know, today, 2022 – to 1965, Russell, Kansas, and there we are, oh, a happy time. I just love that story. And you have to tell the story about the man who saw your wife's story because you were promoting the cookbook and had a friend that had the same eye disease. Right. So two years ago, when we were talking about the cookbook during the pandemic, um, this guy 
heard Kathy's story about how Kathy was treated with radiation and she had a good result. And he, he sent a note on Facebook and said, thank you very much. And the note said that as soon as he saw that, he said, that diagnosis sounds exactly like what my friend Vicky has had. Uh, and Vicky is about to have her entire eye taken out. Mm. And so he called Vicky and her husband Dave, and uh, they they looked up a doctor in Tennessee who actually had been trained by Kathy's doctors in Philadelphia, and uh, they were able to get a treatment time, and she was treated with this radiation, and it's been two years. I just talked to her. I talked to her yesterday, and her vision is better, and more importantly her life was saved because what happened with them was she and her husband um, were going in to get prescriptions and they got the prescriptions and then the the practitioner said, hey, we've got this test for $15 and it can tell if there's anything the matter with your eye like a detached retina or anything like that. And the husband had just been treated successfully for prostate cancer. Mm. And so he was happy to be alive. And she said, you know what? It's 15 bucks. I'm not going to do it. Mm. But her husband said, it's $15. We're going to do it. Long story short, they did it. The test showed that she had something in the back of her eye. They thought it was a detached retina maybe. Uh-huh. She goes to an expert and says, you've got cancer wow. in your eye. So she was saved by a $15 test. Oh, my. We were saved by a pair of sunglasses. Oh. Everybody should, you know, if you don't wear glasses, you think, oh, you know, I don't need to see an eye doctor. Mm-hmm. You should have somebody look in your eyes mm-hmm. just to see it. Because, and I'll tell you this, what I've learned is that freckle that they saw in the beginning, uh, if it's a certain color... It's only a certain color if it's cancer. Wow. And it's uh, it's kind of the color of rust. Wow. And so that um, was very telling. And now we know. Yeah. And it's it's an easy test to do. It's a snap test to do. Um, why is Fox & Friends so popular and successful? Well, we've got the world's greatest uh, weather machine on staff. <laughs> You know, I think, Janice, you know this. You go out and about and people come up and they say, I feel like I know you because you're in my house every day. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, the people who watch our shows on Fox, they watch all day long and they get to know us and they know about our families and they know about our ups and our downs. And they are like family. And the morning hours are the most vulnerable in a person's lives. And so you really have to build up a reputation with somebody or, or just so that they feel comfortable turning you on first thing in the morning. And so, you know, in the beginning, you you might not have gotten what we were up to, but then after you watch a couple of times, it's like, oh, I get this. They're all having fun. They don't, they take the news seriously. They just don't take themselves very seriously right. sometimes. It's a good mix. It's a great mix. It's like a perfect recipe. Look at you, full circle. <laughs> I want to have you back because there are so many other questions I want to ask you. You're just 
I love you, Steve. I mean, you've always been... This is what I want to say about Steve Ducey. I'm going to try to hold it together. He will be there for you um, and your family. I have had that experience with you many times uh, in sickness and in health. You have been there when my husband has been has needed support uh, in the good times and the bad times, and you have always been there, uh, and I know that about you, and that's why I think you are such a special man, and so I thank you for that. I thank you. You were just trying to figure a way to shut me up. <laughs> that worked. I can't, I can't talk. Okay. You, you, Janice, I, that's tearful. Well, thank you. it's I, true. I, and I know you mean it, and you know I feel the same way about your family. I, I know that, but I want the listeners to know that, that the people that you see on TV are real and what happens outside of the cameras and the, and the big lights are human beings that actually care about each other and, and want the best for one another. So it's not an act. It's not. I love you, buddy. I love you. Thanks again to Steve Ducey and congratulations on your new bestseller, The Simply Happy Cookbook, available now where all books are sold. Up next, another famous Ducey, Peter, joins the Janice Dean podcast to talk about life in D.C., being a newlywed, and what it's like asking questions in the White House press room. My next guest has taken Washington, D.C. by storm by asking politicians, press secretaries, and even the president himself some very important questions that many White House reporters don't dare ask. We've seen him grow up on television, tearing down the stairs on Christmas Day and singing to his dad as a small boy. And now he's a very big deal as Fox's own White House correspondent. Peter Ducey is here. Peter Ducey, you made the dean's list. Excellent. Finally. (laughs) Had to come to New York. You know what? Your father told me he did make a dean's list at one point in his life. Did you know that? Uh, No. Are you surprised by that? Like grades-wise? Yeah. My dad? Yes, he told me that. Wow. And he seemed very sincere about it. Why isn't he like a doctor? (laughs) Do you think he could have been a doctor? I think he could have been. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think he chose the right profession? Uh, I'd say it's working out pretty well. For, you mean you mean being a professional chef? <laughs> That's a right. TV chef. I mean, this is kind of. It feels like he is this very comfortable in this role of being a chef. It's interesting because uh, you guys, uh, there is always stuff to do after Fox and Friends. Yep. But during COVID, especially uh, after the show's over and everybody was at home, you kind of turn off the camera and it's like, well, what am I going to do from 9.05 a.m. until I go to sleep? Right. And he did recipes, which much to everybody's benefit once we could all be back together again. He told me a secret that your sister Sally's fiance stayed with him for months in his home. And so while he was making the recipes, Allie would criticize them. And and the thing about that is, uh, so yes, he was with my sister's fiance, uh, my sister not there. (laughs) <laughs> Which can you imagine? Bachelors. That, that is it's like, like the a, odd couple. That is like it, it is a very odd couple. That is a sitcom. <laughs> at some point, maybe that's the next book. I think it was. It was such a fun interview with him because he, you know, went over the various highlights in his career and what a career your dad's had. Uh, but of course, he talked about the cookbook. And I guess you have a favorite recipe in this. I do. I, I like all the comfort food. There's this Iowa caucus casserole, okay. which special place in my heart. Because as you know, the best part about going on the road is the food. It kind of <laughs> really? brings that back. Yeah. No. 
Otherwise, where you do know, you get your food? Like, it's not fast food, or is it like? No, always you just gotta Google the town, look <laughs> up like what the best restaurant is. What you know, if you're in some state, what do you get? Like right. Iowa pork. I see another book on the horizon for you. Uh, I I go through my phone. You know, now on the iPhone, you can search like by yes. month or year. When I go back, there are some months where it's just food pictures. <laughs> phone eats first. Well, see, this would be great because you are on the campaign trail a lot and you would know the good restaurants to go to. You know, it's a bummer because I I did uh, 2018, 2019, 2020 ahead of the election then pre-COVID went everywhere. And a lot of these places now, I'll tell our crews that are going out, I, a lot of places didn't make it. Oh, it's a man. Real bummer. Oh, that's so tough. Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. I mean, even Dana Perino, I was in, interviewing her the other day about her favorite food because I like to ask about food questions and, and what would your last meal be type of thing. And she mentioned a place in D.C. that had great chips and salsa and it's not no longer open. Dose something? Uh, don't know. Okay. But, um, but th- that's DC, the point. It, it, that is the point. Um, and hopefully... That never happens again. I Hopefully know. all those people, you know, find something. How did you do during the pandemic? Where were you? And so I, uh, for about six weeks, I was in my apartment. Yeah. And that doing live shots on the iPhone, mm-hmm. trying to cover Joe Biden, who was in his, <laughs> I know people said he was in his basement. I think it was like a um, first level library okay. situation uh, for him in Wilmington. And then after about, Six weeks, maybe eight weeks lockdown in suburban D.C., uh, we would go to Delaware, wherever he was. Okay. And so, uh, and at one point, uh, you know, a lot of it is just standing around because he wouldn't leave the house, just getting as close as he could. But there was the one time that we were in Rehoboth Beach, just kind of bopping around, and we saw him riding his bike. Uh, No helmet, but... Face mask, so he was he was protected from something, uh, and I just shouted out to him. It was before he had a running mate, and I shouted out, "Did you pick your running mate?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, "Who is it?" And he said, "You." <laughs> Which, you know, that's I, a news headline. That was a news headline, and a lot of people were giving me such a hard time online. Like I believed him. Oh my goodness! But that's awesome. You could put that on your resume. Uh. Former vice presidential candidate, <laughs> Democratic Party, 2020 federal election. Yeah. I, people would vote for that, I think. Yeah. And, you know, now uh, the people that were working, it, it was a challenging campaign. I don't know that uh, everybody on the Biden team thought it was as funny as I did. I think it's hilarious. I thought it was funny. And too. it was funny for President Biden to say that. He's got a good sense of humor. Of course. So that brings me to... What you do every day uh, in the in the press briefing room? Do you prepare those questions? Yes, you do. Yep. Do you think they're prepared for those questions? Uh, you know, so I spend hours when I'm going to be in the briefing because there's not a briefing every day, and I'm not in all of them because uh, I alternate. But I will spend hours reading everything that could be that. It, trying to figure out what is worthy of the White House briefing room that day Mm -hmm. and trying to guess what the other networks and outlets are going to ask about. Mm -hmm. And you you figure out patterns over time, like, uh, you know, this guy's mostly focused on 
the interest rates. This person asks about Ukraine. This person asks about the stock market. And so I'm always just trying to find something different. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's got to be the news of the day. Um, but so I'll go through and I will if, – if there is something that is not like found on a front page of a newspaper, I will send – uh, formerly Jen Psaki and her team, now Karine Jean-Pierre and her team, I'll send them just like a topic. Hey, I'm interested in, uh, you know, it's funny. For uh, months ago, I was asking about these buses. Uh-huh. Suddenly now everybody's asking about the buses. Wow, you were ahead of the game. Um, but something like that, I, it does me no good if I ask the press secretary, hey, what about this? And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what? I, I don't even know this hmm. topic. So I make sure that they... At least, no. You give them a heads up. Not of a question, okay. but just of a, this This is the universe that the Fox seat is going to be yeah. in today. Are they, they seem to be receptive. They are. They know, the, the Biden White House knows that we have this huge audience yes. and a ton of reach on TV, online, on over air, radio, podcasts, everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they want to reach our crowd. And so they engage, and I, they do deserve a lot of credit for that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the highlights? The highlights, anytime that you can get the president to talk, I think that's a highlight. How do you do it? You know, it helps just being tall. <laughs> it really does. And also, I I can make my voice very loud. Yeah. Because uh, there are not a ton of chances for formal Question and answers, okay. just just because of the nature. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, when he would have events, the only people in the room would be the president and some Secret Service and like 13 reporters. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Now, when they have these events, they're able to invite hundreds of people. And so there's less shouting because there's a Marine band playing and there's people that he wants to take a selfie with. But usually it's just. Trying to get his attention. Do you get nervous? Uh, like some butterflies sometimes, uh-huh. sure. I, but not not nervous. Okay. But you know that people are watching you. I mean, even your fellow reporters are like, what's he going to say today? Oh, yeah. That wacky doozy guy's here. Oh, no. Let's try to figure it out. But you know what? I, it's not always something. Uh, like sometimes we go in with a huge group of reporters. And when that's the case. I will kind of ask about whatever I want. Other times you go in on behalf of like the pool where I'm the only TV person in there and you have to think of what everybody needs. Mm-hmm. So what could I ask about that everybody needs? And so every day is different in that regard. And it's not just President Biden. You've asked tough questions to Republican leaders as well. Yeah, I I was one of the first people. So when I was on the Democratic campaign trail in 2020 uh donald trump was doing a thing where he was coming around trying to counter program so he had like before the dems had their caucus in iowa he had a rally two days before and i interviewed him this would have been january end of january 2020 and i was asking him all about covid yeah or i don't even think they were calling it covid then the coronavirus Mm -hmm. uh and so yeah whoever whoever's around I just happen to be around a lot of Democrats right now uh, yeah. because of where I work. And you have a good relationship with the with the teams, right? Yeah. They they know I am going to ask something hard. 
Mm-hmm. And they have known that now for like almost two years. And they still call on me. Yeah. So that, that's that's good. Do you feel <laughs> you're one in a sea of yes men, though? No, not necessarily. But because uh, people have editors and producers and everybody's covering something different. Okay. But to Fox's credit, they don't tell me what I have to go in there and hmm. ask about. Yeah. It's kind of just whatever I want. And, you know, to the show's credit, they if we get something good uh, from the briefing room, even if it's not an assigned topic, they will let me then use that and go with that. What has been the trajectory to get you where you are right now? I mean, listen, people on Fox and Friends have seen you running down the stairs on Christmas Day. Uh, they've seen you in the kitchen making food with your, your dad, singing to your father. So we've seen you grow up and to see you now, I mean, that's an incredible path. And people think, well, it was kind of laid out for him, but that's not true. I think you would have an even tougher time because of who your dad was. I, I wouldn't say tougher, but I would say I know that everything, and from the beginning, everything just has to be perfect and like maximum effort every day, <laughs> every time. And uh, but it's it's been fun. Like when I started, um, a lot of general assignment stuff. They big breaking news, big stories, uh, bad weather, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going right. out to the floods or the hurricanes or a tornado. And then once you get to DC. It, it does take a couple of years to figure out how everything works, okay. how the the government works. You know, if something's going on national security, who would the Pentagon to talk to? If something's going on with policy, who on the Hill to talk to? And then the White House. Uh, when I got there, Obama was president, didn't do a ton at the White House. Um, and then uh, – but I started to go over to Capitol Hill with a microphone, wireless microphone and a wireless camera. And just try to start asking lawmakers about what's what. And that was very good practice for my current assignment because questions got to be really short because somebody's walking away. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be something that you know it's going to – it kind of just requires an answer. Mm -hmm. And and people are smart in D.C. They don't want to be seen as walking or running away from – yeah, that doesn't look good. No, well, it's depending on what the question is. And so that was very good practice. And then did a couple of years basically on the campaign trail continuously from the uh, 2016 election until the 20 – so basically like 2015 to 2021, uh-huh. all campaign stuff, yeah. almost all campaign stuff. I got to ask what it's like growing up in the Ducey family because it looks like, you know, Mayberry – <laughs> it's we are very close um and it, it's good we have now that everybody's spread apart my one sister lives in dc which is great get to see her a fair amount my other sister lives in dallas my parents are uh here in the new york area and but we do we have this crazy uh family group chat <laughs> and that thing is alive from like six o'clock in the morning my dad will <laughs> usually send something because he's up He's been yeah. up for three hours. He's had his coffee. Uh, and so sometimes I'll wake up uh, at like 6.30 and I'll have 15 messages already. <laughs> Just everybody's chiming in on something. And so it's great. And we do uh, – we try to all get together a couple times a year when possible. Tough during COVID, same as everybody, but um, we we try. Mm-hmm. And everybody gets along as far as I know. Yeah. How's your mom doing? 
She's doing well. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, she is doing well. She uh cancer free, knock on wood. Yep. And uh she's she's tough. Tougher Those, than your dad? Oh yeah. <laughs> Those uh, the the treatment for uh eye cancer is no joke. Yeah. It was uh Nuclear medicine in your eye, uh, shots in your eye. It's so she's tough and never complains about it. I think the one thing that is important is we have these incredible jobs, exciting jobs. But if you can realize early on what the most important things are, it really, it really helps. Because when you're a young kid and you have stars in your eyes and you want to do all these things, it really the back to basic stuff of having someone you love being sick. It just brings you right back to what's important in life. Absolutely. And I was on the, it was like, I want to say Super Tuesday of 2020. I was in Minnesota uh, when I got a call that she, they found something in her eye and it was going to require her attention or medical attention a treatment right away. Uh, And the whole family gets together. You know, I flew straight from Minneapolis. Uh, My sister, I think, was in law school. She Went from Philly. My other sister, I think, was in school in Dallas. And, you know, stuff like that, everybody everybody rallies. Mm-hmm. What's it like being a newlywed? I like it. I really like being married. <laughs> Haven't had a roommate since college. <laughs> so Hillary's like a roommate. Uh, well, she is my roommate, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's nice. We have a lot of fun. And um, we I, – I really – I don't know if I knew what to expect being hmm. married. That's, But that's good. I didn't either. It took me a long time to find Sean. So you're lucky you found your your gal early on. Very lucky. And we were lucky that we were able to get married safely during COVID. Right. We had 17 people in our wedding, including the officiant. It was just uh, parents, siblings, and, uh, and their husbands or wives, and two... A niece and a nephew. And that was it. And that was that's all you need. And then you officiated your sister's wedding. I did. Only nine people at that wedding, which you would some some might say, oh, less pressure, nine people. Way more pressure. Look who's in the crowd. It's like everybody's gonna give you a hard time. It's the one of the nine here. Would you be able to actually marry someone if uh, they wanted to get yes, married you know in the what? press office? Yes, I have, and I will just have to describe this. I have this huge wallet. That I need to clean out, but I have a credential. I am actually looking at the wallet. Uh, it's you it's, need a new wallet. Uh, I do. Um, I have somewhere. Oh my goodness! I, I have so my it's clergy. An actual... It's an actual like thing. Oh my gosh! Oh, this is in case I get. Look at this. Okay, I am looking at a this. black and gold. It almost looks like a credential. Like this could be a credit card that could buy a lot of stuff. And you know. They don't like check. No, no authority came to check that. What did you have to do? Uh, <laughs> it's funny. People say, oh, you can get ordained online in five minutes. No, you can get ordained online in like one minute. If your credit card information is saved. Stop. Yeah. Just at, you can Google it. Get ordained. But I mean, you have to know some stuff. I've done two weddings with that. What was the other one? uh, My producer, who I traveled with on the campaign trail for a long time, who now works at the White House, uh, I officiated his wedding as well. This is incredible. I actually told your dad you could do like a a sort of a reality TV program where you just Just go marry marry people. people. It's stressful, though, to, you know, 
it people uh, the hope is people just have the one wedding. And so <laughs> you got to do a really really good job. And I remember when I did my sister and her husband's I talked to them together. I talked to them separately, tried to put something together. I'm not a priest, so right. I, it's not going to be something super religious, but it's got to be personal. Yeah. And it, it's a big responsibility. It's fun. Big responsibility. Also, can't have any drinks before the ceremony. Is that part of the deal? I don't think it's. I don't think it like <laughs> voids the credential, but it is. Uh, I, I didn't. Does it expire? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I, I should probably, if anybody asks again, I should probably figure that out. I mean, this is a really important part of your resume. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Uh, when I did the the first one, the my producer, um, we were at the reception after, and after, after many drinks. I did have drinks after. Uh, I was offering just to renew people's vows. <laughs> I don't know if that works like that. There and was did no you? marriage license. Was there a yeah, lineup? Are you kidding me? There was a lineup. I think that's really amazing. Well, do I have to call you something special? Uh, father. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, all jokes aside, what's faith in your life? Um, you know, faith is. Uh, we've had a lot of. Trials and tribulations over the last couple of years, and so my it, it it's a test. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, that's a that's a good question. Um, I, it's just knowing that uh, God's there, and your family's there, and that if you can rely on on that. Mm-hmm. You'll be okay. Yeah, I think that that's a really good answer. And I don't have a whole lot of time because your dad wants you to be downstairs to be ready for this segment about his cookbook. Uh, it's and- true. I'm looking at the cookbook. Uh, this cookbook is great. I, I didn't come up here to plug the book, but it is it is great. Listen, I am fully supportive of your dad's extracurricular activities, especially if he feeds me. It's great. There is a lot of food. You know, I haven't been in a green room <laughs> In like five years, they don't have one in DC. Of course, I'm they never, do. I'm never there. Either on the road or at the White House. At the White House, we just have a little. Uh, yeah, what do you have? I walk in, but my entrance is in the press room. That's like the only door that opens for me. And then I walk into the press room where you see the press secretary. Uh, I go to the left, away from the podium, and there's like ten stairs to go down. Go down, and then we have a little booth down there. We have five seats, five like desk chairs in there. And that's where I hang. Do you have any like give me an insider story that nobody's heard of? You know, uh something about the White House press area that people don't realize. Uh I'm lucky to have a a sliding glass door that closes to our little workspace. But uh there's tons of photographers, still photographers, print photographers, people that don't have anywhere to sit. The only place to sit, and this includes to, like, sit and eat, uh, right outside the bathroom. <laughs> just right right next to the bathroom. So you don't even need to tell me. People can just think about that. Just, yeah. and But that said, the White House, it's a very cool place to work. <laughs> you're, you're never more than, like, depending on where you're at, you're never more than, like, 
150 feet from the president it's when pretty he's awesome. there. It's pretty awesome. Where do you go from here? From here, and I don't mean just like from the bathroom. Where do you? What's your? What are your aspirations? I don't know. I you know I just try to figure out how to do a good job and advance these stories. Uh, you never know what the next big story is going to be. That's true. Right? And so we'll see. Congratulations on your wedding. Thank you, Janice. I want to ask you how you met Hillary. Uh, we met. Uh, she works at Fox Business, and we met years ago. Um, she was working very briefly in the D.C. Bureau, and then she moved to New Hampshire, and we didn't see each other for a while. And then we reconnected uh, around the 2016 election. Yeah. Everything's tied to an election in this family. That's okay. Did you know when you met her that there was something special? Because your dad says he knew when yeah. he met Kathy. Oh, definitely. definitely really? Did. Yeah. Did definitely. you tell her on the first day, I'm going to marry you? Uh, no. I know that's that's my dad's move. Uh, <laughs> did not have that kind of confidence, but uh, I knew. Yeah. And we're, I'm very lucky. Aw. Next time I'd like to have both of you on the program. Uh, she would love that. Okay, good. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I can't wait to see the next Peter Ducey question in the White House briefing. It's room. coming. <laughs> I got a few. I got a whole thing in my phone, just ideas. I love it. And you, I mean, who knows? Maybe a future vice president someday. Uh, you know, I was also offered the job of press secretary. People don't know that. What? It's true. When did that happen? I asked Joe Biden a question when we were in Wilmington about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Uh, and whether he was going to have a job for Bernie in his cabinet. Yeah. And he said, no, a job for you. It's like, what job? How about press secretary? This is fantastic. I know. You and President Biden. All what these a- job offers. <laughs> it's, it's what they say about the, the federal government. There's I love it. Lots of jobs. And someday I think I'm going to be interviewing you because you're going to have your own book to talk about. Uh, it's possible. I got to start taking pictures of uh, of something. <laughs> Just because the picture, uh, looking at this book, um, so many photos. Yeah. So many good times. So many photos. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. To be continued, because I could really talk a lot more, but I know your dad will be mad at me. For (laughs) sure. Okay. What a podcast. Who else gets to interview Steve and Peter Ducey in one show? It was pretty amazing. I'm not sure how to top that, but we'll try. Oh, and by the way, during our interview, I was about to ask Peter if he and Hillary were thinking about starting the next generation of Deuces, but I chickened out. But right after that, on his interview with Fox and Friends, Peter and Hillary Vaughn announced that they are having a baby and we're all so excited. Peter told me afterwards he almost told me on the podcast, but ended up saving it for Fox and Friends. I said that was okay. I told him next time we'll have both him and Hillary on to chat. Wouldn't that be great? To be continued, Deuces. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.